You're listening to the Christian Humanist Radio Network, christianhumanist.org. All the girls are complicated. Everyone is precious too, and you might get lucky if you do. Oh, you might get lucky if you do. Find the one that makes you laugh. Find the one that takes your breath where you won't get everything that you want. Oh, but you'll need one to don't Hello and welcome to episode 180 of the Christian Feminist Podcast. I'm Victoria Reynolds-Farmer, and with me today are CFP panelists Christina Bieber-Lake and Kayla Beth Moore. Hey, Christina and KB. Hey. First, let's introduce ourselves for any listeners that might be new to the program. Christina, you go first. All righty. I'm Christina Bieber-Lake. I teach English at Wheaton College in Wheaton, Illinois, where I've been for a very long time. And I um, am married to an Anglican priest, so happy to be talking about Lectio Divina because it's a part of the way we live and move in our spiritual lives. So this is an exciting episode for me. Awesome. Thanks, Christina. Uh, I'm sure we will learn a lot from your experience. Kayla Beth, your turn next. Hi, I am Kayla Beth Moore. I am a writer and a teacher. Um, I have a background in theology and in creative writing. I have a degree from Yale Divinity School and I have an MFA in creative writing. Um, I currently teach elementary school literature, which I love very much. And I am very interested in Lectio Divina and um, have really enjoyed it in the past, but have not done it that much. And so I'm really excited to be here. Uh, and we're really excited to have you. Thanks, KB. And I am Victoria Reynolds Farmer. I'm one of the founding members of the CFP. Uh, I have a PhD in literature and gender studies from Florida State University. And um, I like to be on this podcast and write for various outlets about gender, culture, and embodiment in my free time. Um, as a career, I work for a market research firm uh, in customer engagement, and I live in a suburb of Atlanta uh, with my husband, Michael, of the Christian Humanist podcast. Uh, and as uh, both Christina and KB have said, uh, Today's episode is about Lectio Divina, and it's going to be structured a little differently than normal if you're a regular listener to this show. Uh, we've decided that we want to actually enact this method of interpretation and reading together. So we'll walk you through everything we're doing, uh, and we hope that you'll read and think along with us this episode. Uh, but first, a little bit of background about Lectio Divina. Lectio Divina is Latin for divine reading, and it is a method of praying the scriptures. Uh, this method has four steps. You read the same passage aloud four times with a different purpose each time. First, uh, the Lectio, you read, 
you pay close attention to the passage that you've chosen and you note words or phrases that might jump out at you. And the second stage is meditatio or meditation. You read a second time, focusing on the word or phrase that you've picked out and you offer it up to God as a prayer. Uh, the third time, oratio, which is prayer, uh, you focus on um, God's response to your prayer. You hear what God is saying and pointing out uh, in the word or phrase that he's revealed to you. And the fourth stage, uh, contemplatio or contemplation, is uh, the release of the word. So you have given it to God, he has given you something back, you release the experience and uh, reflect on your prayer. Uh, think about what God is teaching you through it or what he might be calling you to do. So that is just a bit of run through of what the method is. Um, and now I want to hear from uh, you, KB and Christina, about your experiences with Lectio Divina. Um, when did you first come to know it and uh, talk a little bit about how you've used it, um, what uh, your experience has been, if you like it, that sort of thing. Uh, Christina, how about you go first? Sure. I, uh, I think the first time I learned about it, I was at a retreat. I don't know if it was a Christmas retreat or like an Advent retreat, I mean. I think it was an Advent retreat, and the there was a, I mean, I've been a member of the Anglican Church for a long time now, and the leader of that was uh, leading us in the Lectio Divina, and I remember it very well because I had never experienced it before, and hearing the passage so many times and just being forced to to be silent and to hear the words was a truly new experience for me, and it was the passage about the my sheep hear my voice and I am the gate and the sheep another way, you know, and it just, it was just stunning to me to think about the words of Jesus that way. So that was my first experience. And since then I have adapted it for use in the classroom uh, instead of having like a, you know, regular devotional or prayer time that like we're sort of expected to do, I decided that what we needed was just more space to be meditating on God's word. And so I choose the same psalm. I'm sort of working my way through the psalms. I, I choose, excuse me, a different psalm for each class. And uh, then I use that for the semester. And we don't do it every single class period. And we don't, we only do a two readings with a minute in between each reading and then over the course of the semester, they they begin to hear it in different ways. So it's an adapt adaptation of it. It's super it's super fun, and I really enjoyed it. That's very cool. I bet your students get a lot out of that. Yeah, the idea is that they they sort of realize, oh my gosh, this is a distracted, noisy world, and college is just full of information, and spiritual growth is not about more information, you know. So it, it gives me a chance to sort of slow them down and, and, and think about that. That's great. Uh, KB, what about your experiences with Lectio Divino? When did you first come across it and how have you used it? Yeah, so I came across it in 
a spiritual growth and development class in college. And I was raised in the Southern Baptist Church. And until that class, I sort of had no idea that there even was a contemplative Christian tradition. Um, And I remember, um, yeah, I just remember being really, really struck by the practice and this, I've always been a reader, I've always been um, writing to some extent. And so I, when I realized, and for me, like that part of my life, like the creative, I would say meditative part of my life was had always been pretty separate from my religious or spiritual life and so just discovering that there was a place for those two things to meet was really exciting to me um and I practiced Lectio Divina a little bit with a group of friends in graduate school and divinity school um and but it, the group sort of was diffuse and we only, we only met like a few times, but when we did meet, it was fruitful. I've also was part of a group of people at my former workplace. I worked for a cultural, cultural center in Connecticut and we did this kind of strange secularized version of Lectio Divina kind of for the same reasons that Christina is outlining. We sort of realized that um, the people that we were working with just sort of needed a moment of interiority to kind of start these weekly meetings that we would have. And so we would take a poem, just any poem, and read it through three times. And like the first time, um, we would just sort of listen to the poem, kind of let it wash over you. The second time, you would um, pick out um, a line that stood out. And then within that line, you would focus on a word with a third reading. And that was really interesting. I mean, it was people from the corporate world and artists and like a weird mix of people that, um, but just, it was proof to me that exercises like this, even when they are secular can be really meaningful and fruitful. So, um, I haven't really returned back to Electio Divina practice proper in, in several years. Um, and I'm excited to, yeah, to be here and, and have a little session with you guys. Great. Uh, me too. Uh, so my experience, KV, is pretty similar to yours. Um, I was first taught how to do Lectio Divina during a Sunday school class that I took early in graduate school. Um, this was a, before I was Catholic, this was a Presbyterian um, Sunday school class. And like you said, I was also raised Southern Baptist, and that was one of my first windows into contemplative, really thoughtful faith as well. Um, It was a really liberating, illuminating experience for me because it was also one of the first times it felt valid to me to apply the tools for literary analysis that I spent so long developing in college and grad school to my spiritual life. And for me, like, literary analysis always kind of felt a little bit like church. Like, it it felt like this quiet part of my mind where I was fully myself. And discovering Lectio Divina was like, oh, now church also feels like literary analysis. And it was this beautiful, (laughs) beautiful, like, um, 
returning to this part of myself that I was also just discovering, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. People of the book, right? It's, it's yes. A, it's a close reading practice it's a, at the end of the day, you know? Yeah. I'm curious about that. I was telling, uh, I was talking to my husband about this podcast and he wasn't really familiar with Lectio Divina and I kind of described it as wholly close reading. But I have also found that like there's a challenge in Lectio Divina where like a, the analytical brain brain is also not supposed to be kind of driving the horse right is that how you understand Correct. like how do you over definitely is for me people yeah right so, I mean you- I, I think that is a struggle sometimes um for me but I also think like just the idea of thinking about a biblical text as made of words that I know how to interpret like it it lets me stretch a muscle that is comfortable for me and just makes me think very differently about um about the bible itself because i like like i said i was raised southern baptist i was in the bible drill every year like i know the bible well and i think sometimes when you know these texts and are trained to recite them um, to use them to respond in conversation from memory, um, to hide the word in your heart, which is a good, positive, virtuous thing. I don't want to say that it's not. Um, but I think you can kind of become, uh, desensitized or closed off from the power and the sacredness of the text. So Lectio Divina for me was a way of viewing something that I knew really well differently and kind of reawakening myself to the power of the text in a different way. Mm -hmm. No, to me, that's the whole point of it. Like, uh, in fact, when I I do workshops, I lead workshops for teachers um, in Christian colleges several times, and I teach them how to use Lectio Divina in the classroom. And I model it for them, and I always use Psalm 23 because everybody knows Psalm 23. Mm-hmm. And it makes the point very quickly that this kind of slow reading is is where you're at right now, where God is meeting you with the Word. And if you think you already know it, that's a block, you know. So it's it's really very powerful when you teach something that they, you know, when you lead them and elect you with something that they think they know so well. So. I like that because to me, it makes me think of, you know, so many strands in the contemplative tradition that are at least to some extent about unknowing, sort of releasing what our assumptions at the very Yes, end. yes. Exactly. Because if you think you already know everything, then there is no room for growth by definition. Yeah. And, and not much room for God, right? Who really does know everything. Right. Correct. Um, Okay, so now that we have um, given a little bit of background about what Lectio Divina is and talked about our own personal experiences and a little bit about um, how practicing this has um, affected our own religious practice and our own views of the Bible, um, we are going to jump into the text now. 
So we're going to perform Lectio Divina on a short biblical passage. We have chosen uh, James 4, 13 through 17, uh, the New American Version. Um, before the passage is read, I'll remind everyone um, what the purpose of um, all the steps are. Um, we'll go through one through four, and each time I will remind you what you're supposed to be doing. Then we will uh, read the passage, pause for 30 seconds, um, and then go on to the next stage. So listeners, thanks for hanging in there with us. Uh, I know this is not what we normally do, but uh, we hope that you will participate in this experience along with us. Um, and if you do, please let us know about it. Um, comment on the show notes on the blog or when we post this on our Facebook page. If you read and thought along with us, let us know how it goes for you. In this first stage, pay close attention to the passage and note any words or phrases that jump out at you. James 4, 13 through 17. Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we shall go into such and such a town, spend a year there doing business, and make a profit. You have no idea what your life will be like tomorrow. You are a puff of smoke that appears briefly and then disappears. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills it, we shall live to do this or that. But now you are boasting in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So for one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, it is a sin. Now let's read the passage again, focusing on the word or phrase that jumped out at you and offering it up to God. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we shall go into such and such a town, spend a year there doing business, and make a profit. You have no idea what your life will be like tomorrow. You are a puff of smoke that appears briefly and then disappears. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills it, we shall live to do this or that. But now you are boasting in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So for one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, it is sin.
Now read the passage a third time, this time focusing on hearing what God is saying to you through the word or phrase he has revealed. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we shall go into such and such a town, spend a year there doing business, and make a profit. You have no idea what your life will be like tomorrow. You are a puff of smoke that appears briefly and then disappears. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills it, we shall live to do this or that. But now you are boasting in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So for one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, it is a sin. And now the final time the passage is read, release the word or phrase you've been praying with and reflect on your experience. What is God teaching you through this word or phrase and what might he be calling you to do? Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we shall go into such and such a town Spend a year there doing business and make a profit. You have no idea what your life will be like tomorrow. You are a puff of smoke that appears briefly and then disappears. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills it, we shall live to do this or that. But now you are boasting in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So, for one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, it is a sin. Thank you, listeners, for reading and thinking through and praying that along with us. Uh, Now we're going to take a few minutes to talk about this experience, um, the words we chose, uh, and how we felt uh, doing this together. I guess the the first uh, thing we can do is share a little bit about the words that jumped out at us. Um, KB, what words did you focus on? Um, for me, it was puff of smoke. It's just such a striking image, and that word puff is such an interesting, such an interesting noun. 
That's so funny. Uh, that was mine too. <laughs> it's a juicy word. It is. It's, yeah. It's, it's such an too. such an evocative. Oh, really? Did we all pick the same phrase? Yes. Wonderful. Yes. Puff of smoke. <laughs> uh, I, we did not plan that. That just uh, <laughs> just happened that way. Um, okay, so this will be interesting to dig into. Um, is there anything that you noticed through praying this phrase that you think you wouldn't have noticed just from reading? Yes, well, you know, I, I should point out that when you are doing the reading, it's a little bit harder to just listen, sure. right? So um, I, I think that the listeners of the Lectio Divina are in a better position than the people who are who are the readers of it. Um, but for me, I've been reading this really provocative book about time and how ta- how our perception of time is related to the art of living, you know, how you perceive your, the amount of, particularly the amount of personal freedom that you have. And so there's this interesting tension between being a puff of smoke, recognizing that your life is ephemeral, that it's very short, um, and then the decisions that you make about what you do with your with your time, you know. And so puff of smoke, just recognizing the ephemerality of my existence has been something that's been on my mind a lot. I'm about to turn 55 too, so <laughs> you know you get you get a little up there, and and you're just like, should I be thinking about going into such and such a town and making a profit, or should I be thinking about something else, you know? Um, and then the arrogance of of planning with some kind of certainty, you know, was definitely heavy on my heart. Yeah, I, I think um, I think it's it's so programmed into us um, at any age to um, to plan, to save money, to decide what college you're going to go to, to you know, have a down payment on the right kind of house to, um, you know, have, uh, a notebook full of baby names or what, you know, what, whatever the, your vision of your future right. is, um, to, to prepare for that in a lot of, um, concrete and not so concrete ways. Um, so I, I think that's one of the reasons that this passage, um, is so, evocative um, to me. I should say I am the one who chose um, the passage we were going to read for this episode, and uh, I did it because um, James chapter 4 is a section, it's one of the first sections of the Bible that I ever memorized, Um, so I I wanted to come back to it in a different way. Did you memorize it in this version? Uh, No, I did not memorize it in this version. You know, I did a Youth for Christ camp when I was growing up, and we had like a Bible quiz, and we memorized all of James, and none of it came back to me. <laughs> but I w- this was many years ago. This was 40 years ago. Um, I mean, I shouldn't say none of it came back to me, but this particular passage was probably there's a totally different translation too, but you know. Uh, so that's interesting. But I'm glad that you chose it, because I do like James. I think James is a very practical book in so many ways. 
Um, and when you were talking, Victoria, I was realizing that um, the planning that we do, there's nothing wrong with planning, and we do need to plan, of course, um, to, in order to use our time well. But the problem is the boasting, right, about about the plans, the expectation that we're going to be able to have complete control, you know. So I've been, I think there's an interesting tension there. And, and that's why I think it's so great to include verses 16 and 17. Yeah. For me, the word puff was really echoing with that word boasting because the, the phrase to be puffed up came to mind. Right. Knowledge puffs up. Yeah, that's fantastic. Love builds up. To yeah. be puffed up with pride. Um, mm-hmm. But it also has the image of like exhaustion too. Like you can puff for air when you're when you're winded. Um, mm. Take a puff mm. of air when you're when you're really when you really need it. So I don't know. There was there were a lot of interesting echoes about just in. I th- I'm yes. not. We all chose that. It's like such a juicy phrase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I like that because so many times you can feel like you're busy and confuse busyness with productivity, and they're not the same. Um, yeah, and productivity isn't the same as meaningfulness. <laughs> exactly. Doing is not the same as being, you know. So, yeah. Who is that that said some, um, like, self-help person that says, uh, I'm a human being, not a human doing? Yeah, I know that phrase, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I I really like what you're saying about um, the other meanings of puff, KB. I was also feeling um, some echoes in that language, but I was thinking in a slightly different direction, um, thinking about, um, because a a puff is is kind of outward. I was thinking of um, divine inspiration and, and God breathing into us. And um, that kind of God-breathedness um, being the the inverse, the opposite, the eternal of, of the kind of um, ephemeral puff of smoke. That's really interesting. Good, yeah. The other image that came to my mind was of incense, that a puff of smoke can, and can itself be a prayer when it's... You know, I'm imagining like the sensors kind of swinging and and like a smoke sense offering kind of coming up, um, and which is something I don't think I would have gotten if I was just reading this, um, because it wasn't until I was thinking in terms of like, okay, now how do I offer this image as a prayer that I got the sort of image of it sort of floating up and. The other thing that came to me was after that, after the puff of smoke is gone, like the room is unchanged. <laughs> and my what I felt like my challenge was is like, mm. okay, with like nothing, not having an impact, like with your, like I think so many times in our lives, we're sort of told, and I'm thinking a lot about this right now because um, I'm, preparing for a baby and I'm having even today having conversations with my husband about like okay what does this look like for my work life and our finances and 
Um, I want, I have this sense that I want my life to be really meaningful and I find a lot of meaning in my work. Um, partly because of just, I think we all want that. We want to feel that we're having an impact, but I also think there's an extent to which we buy into this narrative where it's like, you're not meaningful unless you're changing the world and you have to leave a legacy and people have to remember you when you die. Absolutely. <laughs> and the, I think the puff of smoke image is like, it's okay if everything is the same as it was when you walked in. Yeah, well, I don't want to be incense. I dislike incense very much. <laughs> just, just for the full disclosure. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> it is great. And I, I will say, um, I, I didn't, while um, while I was listening to the two of you read, I did not think about incense. But as soon as you started talking about incense, I like smelled. I I smelled incense, even though there's none in the room with me. Like it was just such an evocative memory. Um, and and one of the things I love very much about high church services is the way that um, you know touch and smell and all of those things um, are tied into worship so i i love that you yes uh, and incorporated that and they're tied into memory and for me it was we always did mid i was raised catholic and we did midnight mass on christmas eve which no child should start church at, at midnight on christmas eve and uh i would the incense they would they would and then I would get like nauseated every single time and have to go in the back of the church. <laughs> There's a specific story here. Our uh, our parish starts the midnight mass that the kids go to at 10 p.m. on Christmas. Good idea. Much better. Still kind of late for kids, but good. I, I like to go to the midnight midnight one. Um, and the priest that usually uh, performs the mass always, um, you know, welcomes the fact that babies are crying um, and does a homily about the baby Jesus where he holds up the youngest baby in the service. It's very beautiful. Wow. Yeah, that's great as an adult and or as an infant that you're not going to remember. Right. <laughs> anyway, I'm so sure. I, I'm not inherently prejudiced against incense. I did have um, some bad experiences. Sure. So... I think it's incredibly interesting that we all picked the same phrase, um, but since this is the reflection uh, section of the proceedings, have we learned anything from each other's perspectives um, on the passage or the phrase uh, that we might not get if we were reading this in isolation? Well, I really appreciated Christina's um, insights about time, how time is is um, not something to boast of. <laughs> I, we can also always feel like I own my own time and just recognizing that as a problem is probably a good thing. Yes, and I, um, you know, the knowledge puffing up and things puffing up is a bad thing. I, it just didn't occur to me, but the, the scripture definitely emphasizes that puffs are, are that way. And that I definitely wasn't thinking about f as fully as before we talked. So that's very, very good. And I've been thinking a lot about what you um, both said about stages of life, too. And I think it's, it's really beautiful how um, you're both kind of drawing similar things from meditating on 
different kinds of life changes. Um, I think that um, even though we're talking very much about ephemerality and time passing, um, something that I am learning from listening to this conversation is that there is a, um, a kind of unity in the disunity, if you will. Um, even though we're all uh, ephemeral, there's something that we can share about the uncertainty of experience and that um, that's a, a really mm-hmm. interesting bonding thing. Indeed. Absolutely. Okay. Um, last question before we move into the recommendations um, section, the passing on section of the show. Um, we've talked a little bit about how this method of reading and prayer can um, change the way we interact with biblical texts. How can we bring what we've learned um, here today into other parts of our spiritual life, do you think? Well, I'm always looking for ways to slow myself down. And so it never occurred, although I do use the app Lectio 365, it never occurred to me until I heard about your recommendation, which is yet to come, (laughs) speaking of time, um, to actually listen to somebody else reading a Lectio, I mean, you know, more deliberately than even they do in Lectio 365. I, I would I would think that that could have a big impact in just me learning how to slow down even more. Yeah, I think your your point, Victoria, that even though we're all in different life stages, we're sort of struck by the by similar things and similar contingencies is a good reminder to me to just listen to what other people are saying <laughs> um, or just what, what echoes in the experiences of others that I just encounter throughout my day can like open most of my interactions, at least with adults during the day are very brief and sort of in passing or in like two minute snatches. And so I don't often sit with like, okay, something this person has said to me is proof to me that they are human and they are um, on a similar journey to me and there might be an insight here. So I'm just encouraged to be a better listener and hear more about what people are saying. That's good. Yeah, to to echo a little bit about what you both have said, um, I think my biggest spiritual takeaway from this experience is um, is that community can exist in ways that you don't necessarily think it's going to. Um, I we've been doing this show for ten years now. We started in 2013, and um, while you were both talking about um, your experiences and this idea that um, we are kind of, even though we're different, we are similar and experiencing life in similar ways through its contingencies. Um, I was just thinking like how many people I have gotten to know 
um, both on air and off through conversations with our listeners and through um, friends I have made because they've joined the show. Um, like what, what a beautiful gift of community this thing that I started 10 years ago because I wanted to talk to my friends about interesting things um, has given me and how much it has really expanded um, how I think and what I learn and what I'm interested in. Um, And so I think that was a really important reminder for me at this stage 10 years in and also um, that I should be aware of um kind of the the happy surprises that that god brings Mm. to us the little serendipities the things that you would miss if you're too busy doing right yes yeah that's good it's really good and also good job 10 years ago victoria yeah yes (laughs) thank you uh so now it is time for Um, my favorite segment of every show, the passing on segment where we recommend things we think you should read, watch, listen to, or otherwise think about. Uh, Christina, what do you have for us? Yes, at the same retreat or at the same retreat place, I went to a number of retreats where the first, where I first did Lectio Divina, it was a Catholic sister's place, and they had bookshelves. Of course, that's what I'm doing during the retreat. And I found this book by M. Basil Pennington about Lectio Divina, which I then read. And he does an excellent job of explaining the the various stages that Victoria was talking about. And so it's a thin volume that, that if you're new to Lectio Divina, can be very uh, useful. Thanks, Christina. That sounds great. Uh, I will have to check it out. KB, what are you recommending? So the last time I was on, I recommended a novel by Frederick Buechner, which I had found in a thrift store, which knocked my socks off, which was Godric. I am back to Frederick Buechner. I love Godric. Oh, my gosh. It is amazing. Yes. It was. I, I met Buechner years ago. Oh, delightful man, yeah. Before, yeah, I mean, he was at Wheaton, like, I don't know, almost you know, 18 years ago, something like and, that. Yeah. Beekner? Beekner, yeah. Beekner. Okay, I've been mm-hmm. saying Beekner because I had only ever, it's like one of those names I'd only read and never heard anyone oh, yeah. Yeah. out loud. <laughs> yeah, Beekner, yeah. Beekner. Um, well, I read, my husband got for me for Christmas um, his novel, Son of Laughter, um, which is a novel retelling the story of the biblical character, Jacob. And it is just such an amazing exercise in sort of bringing the imagination to bear on scripture. I think Um, it's beautiful, heart wrenching, lovely, poetic, all of the things. So check it out. I have only ever read um, Alphabet of Grace and your recommendations have made me want to read more Buechner. So I am going to add this to my list. I've been meditating on um, Jacob a lot recently because I've been reading this um, wonderful um, disability interpretation of the Bible that centers um, Jacob wrestling with the angel 
um, as a kind of Christian disability justice metaphor. Uh, so it sounds like it is time for me to read this novel as well. Yeah, you have to. I had only ever, I had also only ever read his sort of like nonfiction spiritual writing stuff. Didn't even know that there were, were really successful novels on the other side of what he is doing. So go for it. Awesome. I will. And if I decide I want to, to talk about it uh, on the show next year, you'll have to come back and talk about it with me. You know where to find me. All right. Uh, and my recommendation is, uh, as Christina alluded a bit earlier, a uh, podcast. It's called Daily Lectio Divina, and it's led by Sharon Garlow Brown. Um, it is about 10 or 15 minutes every day and um, has sort of lovely ambient music in the background um, and leads you through a short scripture passage. Um, I do not use it every day. Um, but when I make time to use it, I always feel better the rest of the day. Uh, it's just a really good excuse to, um, be purposeful and slow down and take a minute to, um, meditate on the word. Um, her voice is also just incredibly soothing. So if, if you are like a pro, um, ASMR meditating kind of person, um, I, I would recommend that as well. That sounds awesome. Uh, thanks, Christina and KV, for a great episode. And thank you, listeners, for listening to the Christian Feminist Podcast. As always, we want to hear from you if you have topic or reading recommendations for future shows, or if you just want to say hi, please do so at christianfeministpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on our Facebook page or at the network's Twitter handle at CH Radio Network, and check out show notes from this and all of our other episodes at the Christian Humanist blog at christianhumanist.org. The Christian Feminist Podcast is a member of the Christian Humanist Radio Network. Kristen Philippic is our press liaison. For Kayla, Beth, and Christina, I'm Victoria. Tune in in two weeks when we'll discuss John Donne's elegies for Elizabeth Drury. Until then, in essentials unity, in non-essentials liberty, and in all things love. <laughs>